Welcome to the Not Old Better Show Prevention Magazine Health and Wellness Interview Series. I'm Paul Vogelzang. And as I've teased over the last few weeks, we have a nice new announcement for our audience. And for those readers of Prevention Magazine, this is the inaugural episode of that series, the Prevention Magazine series. And we're starting with a packed show. The Not Old Better Show is thrilled to announce its new collaboration with Prevention Magazine. Our partnership aims to synergize content generation and distribution. Each month, we will produce a special editor-in-chief edition of our show featuring Prevention Magazine's editor-in-chief, Sarah Smith, and Prevention Magazine's holistic view on health, wellness, and the culture of aging. The Not Old Better Show, known for its rich educational content targeting the 55-plus age demographic aligns seamlessly with Prevention Magazine's focus on health and wellness. Today's packed show will start off with our interview with Sarah Smith. Then we will speak with Prevention Magazine cover story writer Beth Howard. Beth has penned scores of articles for print and digital media, including Good Housekeeping, Cosmopolitan, The Washington Post, AARP Reader's Digest, and many more. Beth has written the October cover story titled, This Cancer is Preventable, Why Is It Still Killing So Many Women? That's featured in Prevention Magazine. We're going to talk about that, as well as we are going to talk to Sarah Smith coming up here. So prepare yourselves for a groundbreaking revolution in content like you've never seen or heard before. The Not All Better Show is just ecstatic to unveil this unparalleled partnership with a titan of health and wellness journalism, Prevention Magazine. This alliance is not just a collaboration, though. It is a full-scale fusion of two authoritative voices in health, wellness, and the unique challenges of aging. We're about to supercharge your understanding of what it means to age with grace, vitality, and zest. Have you ever wondered if middle age is the new 30 or if 70 is the new 50? Our first episode... Today, we'll shake up everything you thought you knew about aging. Imagine the trusted voices of Prevention Magazine amplifying our impactful stories that you already have come to love on the Not All Better Show. Together, we're on an unstoppable, transformational, information-packed program today. So please welcome to our ever-expanding circle of fabulous listeners, the Prevention Magazine family. And please join me in welcoming to the Not Old Better Show, Prevention Magazine's editor-in-chief, Sarah Smith. And please stay tuned following Sarah with our focus interview with Beth Howard. The title of Beth's article this month is an important one. This cancer is preventable. Why is it still killing so many women each year? Sarah Smith, editor-in-chief at Prevention Magazine. Welcome back to the program. Thank you, Paul. It is so good to be back. It's good to be with you, too. We really are kicking off together this this wonderful inaugural series. Um, it's the first in, in kind of our partnership with Prevention Magazine aimed really at offering all of the expertise that Prevention Magazine provides for our audience and these wonderful, healthy solutions that you can really live with. Of course, you're the editor-in-chief at the magazine. And a recurring partner in delivering kind of this this ongoing content on health, nutrition, family, fitness. The October issue is is so great. I always love, I'm a subscriber, I've been a longtime subscriber. I always love the artwork and the cover 
for October is really wonderful. It's so timely. My wife and I are walkers, absolutely. And you've got this great visual of a walking shoe on a set of wheels. <laughs> it's like a skate, but it's it's not. <laughs> That's a great pick. Right. It's really fun. Thank you. I love this cover and I love talking about walking. We cover walking not infrequently, um, but you'd be amazed really at how much there is to say about it because it is so good for you in every way, inside and out, head to toe, all the things. Um, And so, you know, we've got a big walking story in this issue. But one of the reasons that we have it in this issue, the October one, is because we also have an annual virtual 5K walk that we host. It's called the Walk for Wellness. Um, and so it's on October 7th this year. And it's it's just a, you know, sign up with us if you want, but go out on October 7th and walk 5K. Or you know what, if that's a little much for you, just walk two miles. I mean, our, our whole goal is to just encourage people to get out and walk. So we have this like, you know, walking is real, the walking is real, and the community is virtual. So you sign up, you know, you do it with us. There's literally thousands of people in every state who are also walking on October 7th. Uh, so that's one of the things I love about October, uh, our October issue, is that it's, it's, it's the walking time. It is. It's the walking time. Absolutely. And, and as we do, we're going to put links so that our audience can find out more information about walking uh, via Prevention Magazine and uh, the virtual walk that's coming up on October 7th. Do I have that right? October 7th? Is that the date? That's right. Yep. Good, First good. Saturday of October. Every good. Year. Yep. Well, great. You know, that cover story is a good one. There are a couple of other cover stories that I wanted to cover with you because I think as editor-in-chief, you have this really unique perspective on um, the topics, the content, um, the information, the importance of all of this. And and I want to start with one that I it just caught my eye because I think about this, certainly, but not probably enough. And, and it the, the topic is mattress toppers for back pain. You know, I I invested a lot in, in my sleep. I really need to get a good night's sleep, but I probably don't give enough thought to mattress toppers. I'm sure you you probably you probably felt the same that that okay, this is a topic that we really need to offer to our audience. That's exactly right. Sleep is so important, right, to our overall health. I mean, it impacts absolutely everything, our brain, our bodies, our what we choose to eat. I mean, sleep could really not be more important. And we know that and we want to, you know, since that prevention, what we're trying to do is help people live better lives. You know, we don't just want to tell you all the time, oh, you should get better sleep. We like, want to try to help you do that, right? So um, in our research into these things, we found, of course, that having an optimal sleep environment, it, you know, really helps. And one of those things is having the right level of firmness and cushion in your bed. And the way to get that, it can be your mattress, but mattresses are very expensive. Um, and, you know, you don't want to replace them all the time. But a mattress topper, while not necessarily a cheap option, um, is cheaper. And it's a really great investment because there's so many different options. Um, but then once you say that, you think, oh, my gosh, then it's this totally overwhelming thing. So, uh, you know, we have editors on our team who are real experts in, you know, narrowing down, talking to experts, really figuring out how to choose a product. Um, And so, you know, one of those editors worked on this mattress toppers story. So I just think the amount of research that goes into the the mattress toppers that we recommend in this issue, it's quite extensive and impressive. And so I'm really pleased that we were able to 
you know, explain what you're really looking for in terms of the firmness level and the material and, and those kinds of things so that you can make an informed decision. But then we've got some in the, in the magazine too, that if you, if, if, if you want to just follow those, you're going to be happy. One of the other articles that I found also on the cover, uh, Keep Anxiety from Taking Over the Anatomy of a Panic Attack. I thought that was so helpful. I mean, all of us coming off of COVID and we might feel a little anxious having kind of a, a survival kit for, for panic is is a great idea. Tell us a little bit about this piece. Yeah, this is really interesting because, as you said, we all experience stress. And there are moments for people when it gets to this fever pitch, you know, where there's thundering in the ears, there's pressure in the chest, heart racing, and people, It's a. it might be a panic attack, but those symptoms then send you into an additional spiral of even more panic because you think, am I having a heart attack? You know, what is happening? Um, and so we really, we wanted to explain to people what a panic attack feels like, looks like. Um, I mean, of course, anytime, if you think you're having a heart attack, I feel it's my responsibility to say you should go to the emergency room. Mm-hmm. But I think it's also important to know that if uh, to recognize once you've had a panic attack and it's been diagnosed that way to recognize when it's happening or when it's starting to happen, because there are ways to pull it back, to come back from it before it becomes a full blown uh, situation where you're immobile and feeling like you're going to die because it's this fight or flight reaction that in, in eons past would have helped you escape from an enemy. But in fact, in our current life, the things that are sending us over the edge are maybe not life-threatening, but they feel it. Your body thinks it is. And so um, it can it's terrifying. Uh, and especially for people who've never had one and they don't know what's happening. So we wanted to help people, you know, hear what that's like, hear from people who have them, hear from doctors who treat them um, so that you can, you know, take a deep breath and, um, you know, get through it. You know, another piece that I thought uh, was so helpful, in addition to talking about mattress toppers and and panic attacks, nutrition is always on our mind. And uh, importantly, the food we eat plays a role in how we think, not just how we feel. You have this great piece about foods to feed your brain, and I thought that was such an important one, the best foods for your brain. Great, great story. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? It's so interesting that there there really are nutrients that support your brain function uh, better than others. You know, I, I mean, we need all kinds of nutrients for all kinds of things in your body. You want to mix, etc. But when it comes to there to your brain, uh, omega threes, certain vitamins like B and E, um, and minerals like magnesium and iron. These are all things that promote the the function of your brain, support. Um, you know, memory, retaining memory uh, and focus. And so being aware of that and then trying to actively incorporate foods with those nutrients into your diet is, it, it really, it really does pay off if it's, you know, a part of your lifestyle, you know? And so when we, when we do articles like this, where it's the foods that can help with a, 
you know, a certain issue in your life and, and brain health is so important to prevention. I'm really so pleased we did this. You know, we have uh, our nutrition editors and experts work closely with the test kitchen to come up with really delicious recipes that are going to fulfill these, you know, needs in your, in your brain and your body. So we've got these really great recipes with walnuts and kiwi and other foods that we, that we've highlighted as being really good for your brain. All great stuff. Well, the other piece that you and I are going to just touch on, but we, we are going to be interviewing Beth Howard in just a moment, who's written this wonderful uh, cover story also, The Cancer Too Many Women Are Getting. This Cancer Is Preventable is the, the, the theme really behind this article. It's a powerful piece. I think it's timely. Beth does a great job of going into some details about the research. She talks an awful lot about... Um, what this means to women, especially uh, women of color, and um, the the issues around some of the the discrimination that goes on with diagnosis. So the cancer is preventable. I wonder what your thoughts were in in highlighting this important topic on the cover. We thought it was really important to talk about this is about cervical cancer and the fact that women, it sort of becomes off their radar at a certain point in life. And yet too many women are getting it when these guidelines have sort of um, passed them by, I, I should say, you know, I, I know Beth knows so much about how all that works, you know, but I just think it's, I just don't want people to think that just because you've gotten to a certain age or stage in life that you're, health doesn't matter anymore. It still matters that if you get cancer, right? So we want to raise awareness about screening and um, and the HPV vaccine, which is the, the way of um, preventing cervical cancer, um, which is, it's just not been a cancer that people have talked, I think, enough about. And I've been really interested in the, the way that um, breast cancer many years ago was a taboo topic. People didn't talk about it. Um, and, and so many women died from it, right? And then there was this huge movement led by women, uh, and the people who had breast cancer or people who loved women who had breast cancer. And it changed not only the conversation around it, but it changed the research around it. I'm hoping that that's going to start here and that we will see it build over the years into um, the kind of movement that we've seen breast cancer have. So important. And so well said. Thank you, Sarah Smith. We are excited to talk to you again next month. But these stories, back pain, panic attacks, food for the brain, and of course, cervical cancer and um, it's it's prevention. Some of the science is going to be really wonderful for our readers and our listeners. But Sarah Smith, thank you for your time. And we're going to talk to Beth Howard now. Thanks, Paul. I had a great conversation with Beth, and it's great to be working with you. You know, we don't get through this life alone, and we all need a trusted companion on the journey of aging gracefully. Certainly, all of us in the Not Old Better Show audience have each other, and our new partner, Prevention Magazine, is that partner, too. Prevention Magazine is your go-to source for great articles and timely advice on health, nutrition, sex, medicine, beauty, and everything that matters in life for the 60-plus age community. Prevention Magazine has been the reputable life partner for over 70 years. Prevention Magazine's commitment 
to your well-being and happiness has never wavered. We invite you to tune in to the Not Old Better Show every month for our Prevention Magazine series where we share insightful interviews and discussions with experts from various fields bringing you the latest information on how to lead a healthier, more fulfilling life. Personally, I've been a longtime Prevention Magazine subscriber including the All Access Plan and you can subscribe to Prevention Magazine too. You will unlock a treasure trove of health and wellness knowledge and then join us here on the Not Old Better Show for an in-depth, not-in-the-magazine look at much, much more. So join the vibrant community of individuals aged 60-plus who are embracing life with vitality and enthusiasm. Subscribe to Prevention Magazine today and experience the difference it can make in your life. Visit Prevention Magazine's website at prevention.com. The Not Old Better Show and Prevention Magazine, your partners in health, wellness, and the celebration of life. Well, Beth Howard, thanks so much for joining us on the program. I I love what you work on, in particular, all of the great health stories. I found a recent story that you've written about the four surprising benefits of the flu shot, a wonderful story about the case for skipping meals, and then another story titled High BMI, What It Says and Doesn't Say About Your Health. So all of this is great stuff, but I wanted to spend our time today talking about your cover article in Prevention Magazine this month, October's issue, titled The Cancer Too Many Women Are Getting. Let's talk about some of the numbers. What are the numbers telling us with regard to research? Why is this such an alarming trend? What is going on here with this uh, uh, late-stage cervical cancer? Um, A large study from the University of California, Davis, was published in January, and it showed that um, uh, among a a very large group of women, that one in five women with cervical cancer uh, are 65 and over. I think a lot of women feel like it's a young woman's disease. And the truth is one in five women uh, who are 65 and older are coming down with it. And most of them, 70% of those women have late stage cancers. And that means that the cancer has spread beyond the pelvic area. Unfortunately, the five-year survival with late-stage cervical cancer is just 23 to 36% for women who are 65 and older. So I, I, and I, I, I think it might be useful to put this into the context of the test, which we have had for 70 years. And when it was introduced, it really uh, slammed down the the number of people getting cervical cancer. It used to be the leading cancer killer for women, and it's gone down every decade. And then in 2003, we got a test for HPV, which is the human papillomavirus. We know that the human papillomavirus, or HPV, causes uh, the vast majority of cervical cancer. So now we have this really excellent tool, two tools. For detecting the cancer. So we expected those rates to be keep going down, but around 2012, they actually started to plateau. And now we see that the incidence of invasive, this late stage cancer is, has been rising. Um, so cases should be going down, not up. Mm-hmm. So I wrote this piece because the truth is we have everything that is needed to eliminate cervical cancer. I mean, no one needs to get it uh, going forward. We have these excellent screening tools, excellent treatments for cancers that are caught early, and we even have a vaccine for prevention. There is no other cancer that has this trifecta. 
Well, Beth Howard, this this cancer is preventable, as as you say. And so why is it still killing so many women each year? There is a, a lot of there are a lot of factors involved with this. First of all, there's a somewhat the a lot of women are confused about the scheduling, when they should be screened. The guidelines have changed in recent years. Um, but you know, doctors could be filling them in on those uh, a little more aggressively. But there's just general failures in this system. There's failures to um, track women after they've had a, a, a an abnormal test finding. Um, and a lot of women are just fall through the cracks uh, of this very complicated health system that we have. Doctors' offices could be doing more to track them, but it's it's hard to do that and see their patients. Every, you know, they have to see a patient every 15 minutes. And then, as we may have mentioned before, that women, uh, after they go through menopause, it's just not on their radar, and sometimes it's not on their doctor's radar. Uh, the clinical guidelines recommend stopping cervical cancer screening at 65, for example, but the data clearly shows that that could be a mistake. And women can harbor HPV for years. It's a, it can be a very slow-growing disease, but if you're not getting regular screenings, that cancer can grow and spread. Thank you for that. Yeah, awareness is key. Um, this is important stuff, and so I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for your time on this subject. I guess the other issue that jumped out at me as, as I was reading your article was this, uh, in, in addition to age, that there is a, a very distinct discrimination factor among, among women of color, impacting women of color. And I wonder if you'll tell us a little bit more about how that manifests itself in terms of detection and treatment Yes, you're right. Women of color are disadvantaged in almost every way you can think of. They are less likely to be screened, and part of that may be a problem of access or the lack of insurance. Um, They are diagnosed at later stages than uh, white women and other um, ethnicities and minorities, Um, and they may not even get the same treatment, uh, depending on, uh, you know, various factors. But there's also just these stories that I've heard from uh, women of color who experience bias in their dealings with doctors. One of them told me that she really felt shamed by her doctor, and uh, he spoke to her as if it was her fault that she'd acquired mm. HPV. Mm. Um, yeah, she was in a practice as a patient with this potentially deadly infection, but was never adequately treated. And the, the problem was, yeah, um, she just had no idea that this was a, 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 an urgent matter, something that really needed to be followed up. She went on to have um, two babies with, with this practice. So even during the time that she's being seen um, as a patient, a, an OB patient, they're not picking up on and uh, addressing the uh, infection that she has. Hmm. So it was a very troubling story to hear this. And it's not, uh, it was not the only one that I heard. So it, it, it's, not a, it's not a great picture for women of color, unfortunately. No, not a great picture. But your article also points out, again, the title of your article in Prevention Magazine for October is The Cancer Too Many Women Are Getting. Your article also references some really excellent tips. And I wonder if you'd highlight maybe the top three critical steps that women can take, especially those in vulnerable communities. Absolutely. Um, I really want women to know that they need to know their status. They need to know whether they have ever tested for HPV and if they've tested positive. Sometimes you don't know because maybe there's been a breakdown in the system. So if you don't know that, the answer to that question, you know, have you tested positive for HPV, 
you need to find out if you have. And if you've never been tested, you need to be tested. If your doctor doesn't know, then that's the next step. And, and I would say that HPV testing is the gold standard of cervical cancer screening. We have pap smears, and they have a role to play, but the HPV test is the gold standard. Now, if you've been tested uh, for cervical cancer, make sure you get your test results. Many women don't hear back, and they assume that everything's all right, but that's just not true. Um, and as one of my uh, doctors that I interviewed said, no news is not good news. Or I should say it's not necessarily good news. Uh, it may be that um, it's, it, your test result fell through the cracks. There's not a good system in place. You know, doctors' offices are increasingly busy places, and many don't have uh, a way to track the women down after there's a su- suspicious finding. And also women move. They, uh, they, they change phone numbers. I mean, all kinds of things happen. We don't have a national database where all this information goes. So you have to rely on the last doctor that you saw. Um, so check back with your doctor. If you've been tested and you don't know what you tested, what your test result was, please try to find out. Mm-hmm. And then thirdly, if you get an abnormal test result, you need to be clear on what the next steps are. That doesn't mean that you have cancer, but it means that you need another check and you need to ask your doctor, you know, what should I expect? What's what are the next steps here? Sometimes the doctor will want to just watch it for a while. Sometimes cervical cancer just clears on its own. And sometimes they'll want to maybe scrape some cells off the cervix and look at them under a microscope. That's a procedure known as colposcopy. At that point, you may get a green light. The doctor may say, well, they look fine. There's nothing going on. But they may say, look, we want to, to do some additional treatment. And it may be a pre-cancer that they can stop before it becomes cancer. But follow-up at every, every step, every stage of this process is important. So that's what I advise women to do of any age. Because women, we know that women over 65 may still be harboring HPV, uh, an HPV infection. And that can put them at risk for cervical cancer. Those are my top three tips <laughs> for um, women generally. Um, I, I just think that women over 60, it, this is just not on their radar. Mm. It, they, they closed the door to GYN care after they had their last kid. They're not interested. It's not fun to go to the GYN. It can be embarrassing. It can be awkward. It can be uncomfortable a little bit, but it's well worth the the effort to go and do do get regular screenings even after 60. I found in my research that there's even instances of health insurance gaps when it comes to um, gynecological care for women over 60. Again, we're talking with Beth Howard. Beth Howard has written the wonderful article in October Prevention Magazine titled The Cancer Too Many Women Are Getting. Anything that you want to leave us with Beth Howard, anything that didn't make the cut of the article that you want to kind of point out finally to our audience before we let you go? Yes. I actually found several new things <laughs> after this always happens, of course, yeah, and then yeah. you wish you could add them in. But yes, if you are, first of all, if you're in your sixties and seventies and you have not had a hysterectomy, you have the same risk of getting cervical cancer as a younger woman. That astounded me, but it is the truth. 
um, if you've had a specific type of hysterectomy, it's called a supracervical hysterectomy, you still need to be screened for cervical cancer. This type of hysterectomy basically leaves the cervix intact, and some women don't realize that they can still be uh, at risk uh, because they still have a cervix. I think that women past menopause just don't think they have to worry about it anymore. And sometimes I see articles in the lay press that emphasize that, you know, you're done, you know, Mm -hmm. you don't need a pelvic exam. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But keep in mind that women in older age groups may never have received HPV testing. That was, you know, wasn't widely available until 2003. So women actually need to go get a, a yearly gynecological examination, either from a gynecologist or another provider, like it can be your primary care doctor is trained to do this, an internal medicine doctor is trained to do these. The pelvic exam includes that physical part of the test, the speculum test, that no woman enjoys. <laughs> I can assure you of that. Hmm. But you do need it every year, even if you're not getting screened for cervical cancer that year. So, as I said before, one in five women with cervical cancer is over 65, and many have not seen a gynecologist in years. I want to point out something else. that You mentioned that insurance companies may not, there may be a gap there. Mm-hmm. And actually, the guidelines, the guidelines that are um, offered by ACOG, that's the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, are that you can stop at age 65 if you've had uh, three normal tests in a row, or three normal PAP tests or two normal uh, HPV tests. However, this assumes that there's no new exposures. I mean, plenty of women over 65 are dating. They may have an interest in, da- in, in uh, dating again after a spouse has died or a divorce. And, you know, not to get graphic or anything, but they may be having new sexual uh, activity, which can introduce a new HPV infection. So that's why uh, everyone needs to be looking at these guidelines and thinking how they apply to them. And if you have questions about it, bring them up to your doctor. Tell them, you know, you've heard that they may be at risk. They don't know when they ever had uh, HPV test, if ever, or um, have lost track of all of that. But it still can harm you, and it could, could be very a, a very difficult part of life if this uh, if it's unchecked. So please uh, continue to get checked. Absolutely. Beth Howard's been our guest today on our inaugural episode for Prevention Magazine. Beth Howard writes about health for The Washington Post, for AARP, the magazine, for Good Housekeeping, The Wall Street Journal, and of course, Prevention Magazine. October's cover story by Beth Howard is titled The Cancer Too Many Women Are Getting. You can check that out along with more information about Beth Howard and her writing. We'll put links so that our audience can find out all of that information and more. But Beth Howard, thanks for your time. I hope you come back because this is a great subject along with everything else that you're doing. But we'd love to have you back and talk about health in particular for women and um, ongoing research that you're able to unearth about the cancer too many women are getting, cervical cancer. Thanks, Beth. Thank you so much for having me. I was happy to share this information. It was great. Thank you. My thanks to Prevention Magazine's Editor-in-Chief Sarah Smith, as well as freelance writer Beth Howard for her wonderful, important article, This Cancer is Preventable. Why is it still killing so many women each year? 
Check out our links today for more information about Prevention Magazine and its website, Prevention Premium. The Not Old Better Show is teaming up with the wellness gurus at Prevention Magazine for a life-altering collaboration. We're mixing their health wisdom with our knack for storytelling, diving deep into the heart and soul of the 55-plus age community. Let's rethink aging together. Let's talk about better. The Not Old Better Show Prevention Magazine Health and Wellness Interview Series. Please join us again next month. Thanks, everybody.